Welcome to the Rugby Rant Podcast Show, your premier North American rugby podcast. Growing rugby, one fan at a time. And welcome back, everybody, to the Rugby Rant. I'm the big guy, Scott Ferrara. We got Rob, the Hammer Hammerschmidt, and below me, we got Preston, the little Hammer Hammerschmidt, the ball peen hammer. Uh, it's, you know, every time Ty can't come, we got to call that emergency goaltender up off the street in the street clothes. <laughs> and we all know it's pressing a little hammer. How you doing, Press? Yeah, not so bad in yourself. Doing great, doing great. We're on episode 140, baby. And before we get it, milestone. yeah, I mean, we're getting close to 150, uh, you know, hopefully close out the end of our international season uh, at 150. Um, but before we get into the rant, let's hit ourselves with the round of pitch. When we pick up the ball, we also pick up a legacy. A legacy that stretches beyond your current team. A legacy built on the backs of those who came before you with hard work. And for those who will come after you, we promise it won't be easy. But we'll be there, supporting you on and off the field. So I'm going to go first. I'm going to say uh, my around the pitch topic is going to be New York centered. Um, over the past couple of weeks, New York players have hit some milestones. Um, last uh, three weeks ago, uh, congratulations to Dylan the Butcher Fawcett getting his 75th cap in the MLR. Last week, it or two weeks ago, it was the 76th at home against uh, Dallas. And this past week uh, at ATL, he's at actually cap number 77. In that same uh, match, Congratulations, Sam Windsor, number cap number 75 for him. Um, and then two weeks ago prior in the Dallas match, you had Chango, Chance Wingluski, you had Charlie Hewitt, and you had Brad Tucker all hitting that 50 cap milestone. And um, at the end of the Dallas match, um, uh, Rick uh, Salizo, the CEO, took time to acknowledge the butcher and acknowledge the guys. And he even acknowledged my buddy Jared Smallwood. Um, for those of you that don't know, Jared Smallwood is actually the New York team manager, and that was his 50th cap against Dallas as being the team manager. And, and it just goes to show that a, a lot of these organizations understand that it's not just the players who, who put it out there on, on the pitch every, you know, match day. It's the people inside, you know, helping the stadium. It's people helping the team guys like Jared who day in and day out, help them at practice, help them at matches, help them doing whatever they need to do. Um, so it's good to see. And congratulations to all those guys in New York, Rob, what you got. I just want to th- throw a big one out there. A lot of people who follow the league probably are familiar with this, but the fact that the MLR supported the U-20s recently, the U-20s had two matches against Canada, and they came up victorious in both, but um, they engaged in that donation program um, to support uh, the three-week USA U-20s camp that happened in Charlotte. Each club um, you know, made a commitment of money to sponsor uh, through vertical rays, uh, which is part of the fuel, the fuel, the future program, uh, basically friends and family, uh, or any other rugby fan, uh, can go along with the MLR and support the U twenties by donating online to verticalrays.com. Again, the importance of this is the U twenties, you know, in eight years, these U twenties will be right in that sweet spot. Um, you know, to be in in the mix for the U.S. Eagles. So we want to support those boys and and later on the, the, the ladies who are going to be representing us when we have the World Cup on home turf. 
yeah, it's it's great to see. And my boy Kyle Sumption, the head coach in over there at the the U twenty Eagles, you know, former uh, Rooney Rooster, former USA Eagle, um, former co- uh, almost an offensive line coach because he is a football guy too. Uh, forwards coach over at Army um, National Championship winning Army when he was coaching there. Um, so I think uh, he's he's getting these kids prepared, and you never know in eight years he might be good to to step up in that role if we have a vacancy. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. you know, like I was saying off camera, it's, I knew when, when uh, Gary Gold stepped down that Scott Lawrence was the right guy for the job because he knows and understands USA rugby landscape. Well, you, you we knew he was going to have a quality plan. Uh, it's got a long-term commitment. It's a long-term plan with long, you know, term vision and goals. Uh, and right now we're seeing those bear fruit almost immediately, which was awesome to see and should give a lot of us folks in the rugby community of the United States, a lot of hope for the future. Absolutely. Preston, what do you got for us? Yeah, I'm going to bounce off. Uh, USA is going on to the U20 uh, championships. Uh, USA beats Canada. First match, I believe, is 43-21, and then this past one was 39-14. I'm going to give a shout-out to Dylan Fortune, scoring a try in that game, and then Connor Devos and uh, Luke Big Sexy Schaefer coming in from the Lindenwood Lions <laughs> Uh, helping out the boys. Uh, just love to see like the U20 program excelling, even though maybe our men's club, uh, men's program isn't doing as hot as we love. Uh, U20s has a lot of promise, which is awesome to see, especially young college guys that are, um, you know, earlier in their years uh, doing so. Absolutely. Um, good to see their success again, getting to the championships. Uh, it's going to be, it's going to be, it's going to be some good rugby. I'm very, very excited. Um, about that rugby um, again, if you guys, you guys have the chance to donate, go donate. Scott Lawrence is, is and Kyle Sumption are begging for donations um, from us, you know, so let's get that money out there. Um, so my next around the pitch topic is going to be the postponement of the New York city sevens. Uh, the big guy's a little disappointed. Um, he, you know, got, I got, I got confirmation a couple weeks ago. I got my press badge, all my credentials all set up. Uh, obviously we had, um, uh, we had the uh, operations manager on Rob Cornelius on uh, talking about the new $1 million uh, uh, tournament um, happening at Red Bull arena in uh, New Jersey. Um, they postponed due to weather um, weather concerns. It was, it was kind of odd in, in my opinion. Um, I'm confused as, as to what, how they, they took this um, and, and kind of made it their, their own. So um uh, what the the email I got um, was unfortunately World RFL will be rescheduling the tournament in July. See the link below. Thanks for your interest, and that's that's what I got. Um, and that links us to a uh, Business Wire um, article that's saying um, the air quality. Uh, it's saying World Rugby and USA Rugby and the RFL announced today it was forced to reschedule the New York City Sevens. Uh, Due to the worst air quality ever recorded in New York City during the Canada wildfires, I got to be honest. I live close, you know. I live about an hour away, uh, driving uh, to to Times Square. Um, we had terrible, you know, we had terrible weather up here with with all the, the the smoke and stuff like that. But we're a month away, so I'm completely confused as to why they think the air quality for a month from now, now that the fires are are taken care of, is going to affect it. Um, you know, there's people online that have speculated that maybe ticket sales aren't what they were getting this close to, to the match day. 
Um, I'm not sure. I'm not privy to that information, but it is to me a little bit odd. Um, you know, me and me and the hammer and Ty have been doing this now for, for five years almost. And, and we're, we see this happen from time to time. And sometimes it's an operational thing. Sometimes it's, it's not, and we're not really sure. And, you know, we, we may never get the details, but it's just interesting that they would, um, a month out postpone in my opinion. Um, very disappointed. They haven't actually rescheduled yet. So are they rescheduling at the end of the July? What are they doing? You know, are they rescheduling at a different date? You know, you have to realize, I think uh, the first weekend in August is the PR sevens championship. So do you really want to schedule during the PR sevens championship weekend? And then are you pushing out to world cup area where some, you know, a lot of international fans are going to France for the world cup. So what kind of ticket sales are you going to get? You push it all the way out to September. Um, you know, not really sure. So very disappointed. Hopefully we'll see them rescheduled soon. Um, my next, well, we're talking about clearing the air. Uh, I'm going to clear the air on a major issue here in the Midwest. That was rather significant. A lot of people left a lot of people wondering what was going on. And that was uh, the Chicago Griffins. Uh, and they were disqualified from being in the club championship final. That was uh, to be down in uh, Texas. I got, I spoke with a number of folks from all sides the Griffins, f- folks from the Midwest, uh, even splo- spoke with player number 12 as I'm going to keep him um, by name. I'm not, I'm not going to identify who it is because uh, that's really not important to the facts and the details. Basically, the way it works, a player must play in a minimum of two sanctioned matches in order to play in the postseason. Uh, the pro- uh, Number 12 played in two matches this spring with the Griffins, one of them was against the Lions, which was sanctioned. The other one was against Utah Warriors Academy, uh, which, uh, from what I understand, the Griffins petitioned for that to be sanctioned. Um, that is per rule 3.4.2. The idea behind this rule is to prevent, you know, a, a team from from bringing in ringers, right? They they qualify, you know, from the Midwest, let's say, and they go into the national championship and you bring in a bunch of Tongans or Samoans or Kiwis or whatever, just, you know, for the spring to play in the, to play in the national championship series. So that's why they're doing that. Back that up with the fact that only one sanctioned match is allowed in the spring per rule 3.6. I believe the Griffins had had indicated to me that they uh, applied to the Midwest to bless the Warriors match. Um, The Midwest kind of approved of their schedule, Um, but U.S. AR did not at that point, you know, not, they weren't involved at that point in, 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 you know, blessing the schedule. Um, so the Griffins submitted a waiver to the USAR on Tuesday prior to the semifinal, um, which was on Saturday. This was past the five day requirement per rule 7.6.3, which requires five days for an appeal to be heard. Uh, due to the due to the timeliness of this, uh, they you know a late waiver request uh, was was applied for, and it was granted, which is why you saw the message saying that they they want approval. It's because they want approval for the for the the waiver to be heard, not the waiver itself. Um, so they won the waiver request, um, and and so it was going to be heard on Saturday. But um, on Saturday, player number twelve had played. Um, so, uh, you, before, you know, his, his sanctioning was going to be, you know, uh, appeal was going to be heard. Um, you know, the, the Griffins filed a, a civil rights violation claim on the USA, uh, USAR 
and the senior club council. Um, the grievance hearing was then Saturday night after the semi. And yes, the the committee had ruled that player number 12 was eligible, but not eligible retroactively. In other words, was not eligible for the semifinal. Now, from people that I've talked to, uh, and this is only from one side, because I reached out to the to the Griffins, to, to members of the Griffins, and I haven't heard back from a couple of people I reached out to. It indicated that the Griffins were told prior to Saturday's match, if that player number 12 plays, he steps on the field, um, you, you could be disqualified, you could, you know, disqualify your match because we have not ruled into eligibility. You know, imagine if you go to that Saturday night after the semifinal and he's ruled ineligible. Well, then you're definitely disqualified, right? So, you know, I think there's there's some blame to, to be laid there. Um, that being said, I think this could have been headed off the pass a little bit before, um, you know, if the Midwest had stepped in and told the official not to start the match until the player was had, had, had stepped off the field. And then, you know, then they could play and then they could rule and then they could go forward. So um, I'm not placing blame. I'm just telling you why we've got all those confusing mixed messages and and what some of the rules and stipulations were. And uh, it, it just, you know, all around timing. And um, I think assumptions were made on on both sides that uh, just led to a real lack of communication. But I think one, one thing you got to remember, this is a, U, a USAR tournament national tournament. They sanction it. Therefore, you know, it's their rules that apply. And we know, you know, being involved in, in any kind of organized sports, you're at the mercy of whatever organize, organization is running a tournament. You have to abide by the rules. Yep. I think, uh, you know, and that's all we're really going to find out. We talk about transparency and I think both sides have been transparent as they can be, even though they may have different understandings of how things went down. You know, there's yeah. always uh, you know, three sides to every story. Um, but thanks for the clarification, Rob. Little Hammer, what's your last around the pitch topic? Yeah, I'm going to stay in the Midwest. Um, I'm going to go with Dan Norton. He is going to the Loonies, uh, which is big for the Midwest rugby because that's kind of the Midwest team now. Uh, big shout out to Matt Wags uh, leading the charge with that team. Super excited to see what the Loonies do. Uh, it's kind of cool to as I'm sure you guys have discussed in the rant and I've discussed with both y'all, it's nice to actually be able to claim a team, not just because I know people for um, playing for them, but because I'm from the area. Um, so it's really cool to have Jordan, Dan Norton coming through and I'm super excited to actually end up watching the PR sevens and uh, maybe get to a match. Absolutely. I mean, you have Dan guys like Dan Norton, Ruby Tui um, on the women's side. Um, I mean, you got Aaron Gray on the men's side, uh, you know, you got a ton of people on the men's and women's side coming over, international and American alike, to come play in this tournament now, uh, now in year three, this expanded tournament. Uh, the big guy's going to be at the championship in D.C. in August. Uh, come say hi to me if you see me. I will, I'll be around the pitch and up in the booth um, doing my, my usual uh, stuff on that, and it's great to see. And I think we're going to see a couple more guys come in, especially now that this the NYC 7s was postponed. I wonder if we're going to see a couple more signings for some of these PR 7s players. Um, yeah, Scott, I was going to ask a question. Now that we're seeing a lot of international players coming through to PR sevens, just mm-hmm. like with rugby town, do you think there's a chance that PR sevens puts a all-star team into rugby town at some point in the future? That's a good question. I wouldn't be surprised if they, if they wanted to put their own team into rugby town. Um, I wonder who they would get though um you know a lot of the players in in pr sevens have their own club teams they play when they go to rugby town 
Um, so I, I, w- I would think that, you know, the American guys obviously wouldn't be eligible. And I wonder if the international people dependent, you know, it, it depends on what, what they're doing, you know, um, what their schedule is. <clears throat> you know, we do have a lot of crossover, especially on the women's side between 15s and sevens. So I wonder on in the women's bracket, you would probably see less international uh, sevens players, I would say, because they're probably prepping for 15s. Um, but on the men's side, you know, if it's not an Olympic year and not a World Cup year, I couldn't see why not. Why not try and bring some guys over, you know? So, but anyway, guys, that's our around the pitch for uh, episode 140. You know, I mean, we really try and hit you with some some good stuff going around. Glad to bring you some good USAR rugby news. Glad to bring you some good MLR news and gra- glad to clarify some stuff. This is what we love to do. Um, you know, this, this particular rant, uh, we're going to kind of go over our, um, what we had, me, I had made way too early playoff predictions and we're going to kind of see if they came to fruition and kind of forecast out now that all the spots in the playoff race have been, uh, solidified. But before we do that, we're gonna get a quick word from our sponsors, baby. Tighthead Brewing Company is not just Chicago's premier location to watch rugby and enjoy quality ales and lagers. It is also a great place to enjoy local acts performing live music every Thursday and Saturday nights. Additionally, their Wednesday night trivia nights are something not to be missed. Tighthead is located in Mundelein, Illinois, and easily accessible for many Chicagoans, as it is just steps away from the metro. Owner Brewster and the Tighthead staff are dedicated to ensure your microbrew experience is as tight as their beers. Bruce's love for rugby extends beyond the origin of his brewery's name. Tighthead is committed to supporting the rugby community. This includes his support for Lake County RFC and our own Rugby Rant Podcast show. Tighthead's tap room is like the familiar rugby clubhouse in which friends and teammates can meet, socialize, and enjoy the wide variety of brews on tap. Regardless of whether your palate enjoys a good IPA or dark barrel-aged brew, Tighthead can deliver. Hey, Chicago, when you want rugby, Tighthead Brewing Company will satisfy your thirst. Tighthead, it's worth more than a try. And we're back, Rugby Rant fans, as we were talking about before the break. Um, Rob and I had done our way too early playoff playoff predictions uh, for episode 136 when we were live at the Chicago Hounds versus the Ironworkers match at uh, Sea Geek Stadium. Um, and you know, I, I we kind we came pretty close. Um, right now, you're seeing a the Western Conference um, is solidified in their in their one two three. Um, you have uh, San Diego number one getting the bye, Seattle number two with 59 points, and Houston coming in. Uh, with third at 53 points. So it's going to be Seattle Houston at Starfire for that quarterfinal, no matter what happens this upcoming weekend. And then whoever wins is going to play Seattle, excuse me. Um, it's going to play uh, San Diego at Snapdragon. We're going to talk about the East first because the East can have a little bit of movement. So we have uh, the new England free Jacks uh, solidifying their first place um, by a lot. You know, it was a big margin, um, you know, leading leading uh, first place in the in the Eastern Conference. And you have New York with 42 points and DC with 38 points. Now here's where it could change. If DC score has to get five bonus points no matter what, right? So if they get five bonus points and New York gets no bonus points, DC will jump New York and DC will have the home match in the quarterfinals. If New York gets at least one bonus point playing Utah in this final week of the season, and DC scores a five-point bonus victory against 
rugby ATL. While they will have a tie in the point standings, New York will have one more win in the standings and thus continue to be in that number two spot for the home playoff match. So you're looking for DC to score a five point bonus win against ATL and New York to score no bonus points against Utah. If you're a DC fan and want that home match, obviously if you're an iron worker fan like me, you, you want New York to beat Utah by five, if, you know, with a five point bonus win, but if they get at least one bonus point, they will solidify their spot as the home team in that quarterfinal for the Eastern conference. So since me and Rob did this previously, we're going to throw it to Preston and he's going to give you his entire Eastern conference breakdown for the playoff picture. Uh, I think that New York is going to stay at home. Uh, even if they lose and get within the seven, they'll get the point, which puts them at five and five. Let's say OG gets all five points, which then goes to wins, like you kind of said. Um, I just think that based off Utah's past performances, and then, of course, against my boys, the Hounds, um, I don't think they're looking too sharp, and I think they're kind of a wounded dog, which sometimes, sometimes is scary, especially when the season's at its end. You're going to get a lot of trickery, a lot of kicking, a lot of fun. Uh, but I just think that New York's going to come out on top. Uh, and if not, they're going to come within seven. Um, I think their attack rugby is just so good. And their defense is good enough to to hold it down. Um, so I think it would be New York versus OG in New York. Um, I'm going to say that the scoreline is going to look about high 20s for New York, maybe even 30s. And uh, OG is going to look like low 20. He's on a budget, folks. Uh, the uh... – <laughs> Post college, uh, roomy internet is uh, is struggling right now. I think it's just a great above having the string with the phone, you know, with the cups <laughs> uh, for the telephone. Um, so he's struggling right now, but uh, hopefully, uh, Preston will come back unfrozen here in a moment. Anyway, so he had New York solidifying in that number yeah. two position, and that would mean a home match in Mount Vernon uh, at Memorial Field. Uh, so, so, so kind of want to jump in, you know, because. Mm-hmm there's that possibility that, that OGs and, and uh, the iron workers flip flop, but let's keep in mind that um, the OGs lost by, I think by eight uh, to Atlanta, just um, I think in April. Mm-hmm. So I mean, they didn't really have that all that good outing against uh, uh, Atlanta and Atlanta is one of those teams that can, can show up on a new given Saturday or Sunday and, and mm-hmm. really surprise you. They haven't had a, they've been a little streaky um, yes. and just have, have had some inconsistency uh, in their game uh, this year. So, mm-hmm. you know, I just don't foresee OG being able to make that jump, being able to score five points. And I don't see, you know, uh, the iron workers uh, losing that match uh, they've got coming up. Um, so I don't know, yeah. you know, it's one of those things where Utah doesn't play well at home, but are they going to be mad that they got bounced out with a tough loss to Chicago? Right. So they got some fuel coming into that fire in that match. And then you have an OG's team who's going to be at home against Atlanta. And what's going to happen in that match? Hold on, Preston's back. Real quick, Preston, we're just going to finish up what we were talking about. You're, you're having an Atlanta it. team who could not convert against New York, who had four cards and was at one point down thir- to 13 men in the middle of the match to to push the, the needle to win. So, like, I think it's a perf- it's the perfect storm for the OGs to come in and maybe sneak in and, and Rooney not. I wouldn't say Rooney laid an egg, but I think Utah is going to be pissed off that they didn't make the playoffs and it's going to be a tough match. Anyway, Preston, let's go back to you. So you had uh, Rooney at home against OGs in that quarterfinal. Yeah. Sorry about that. Um, yeah. I just say that New York in the last two games has put up 30 points both times. Um, so maybe OGs defense as it's consistent. Um, they're letting too many points up where their attack in one game put up eight 
another game put up 43. It's just too drastic for me to say that they're going to put up enough points um, to overcome what they've been allowing New York in the past two matches. So definitely going to pick New York. I'm going to say by about six. I think it might be tighter because I think OG's on the up and up, especially if they win this next game, especially if New York loses. But it's in New York, so who knows? Um, not New York City because they're not not that cool. Um, but then I think they'll go on. They'll play the Free Jacks. Um, I just think the Free Jacks are too hot. Um, you know, like the big guy says, let's get hot. And that's definitely what the free Jacks are doing. Um, you know, when they got Waka in there and they got their standout fly half in there, I think they're just two big playmakers or it's just too unstoppable. It's, it's really good, really crisp, really sharp rugby. And, uh, I think they'll come out on top about 10. Um, I mean, most of their wins are coming out 10-plus points, and especially in the last 30 minutes, they're kicking teams' butts, and they're just putting points on points on points. I think they're going to come out with a, a plus-10 victory. If I had to pick it, I'd say about 28 to 18. Gotcha. You know, I, I, I don't mind your prediction of New York losing because I hate your guts anyway. So we'll just leave it at that. But no, um, yeah, listen, I think, uh, I think you, that's New York for, I love you. So, you know, exactly. I think you bring up a good point. You know, listen, New England is the team that's rolling. They've been rolling all season. They're one of the teams in the Eastern conference that hasn't had to deal with like, like a large amount of catastrophic injuries. That being said, John Poland was probably their biggest injury. Um, uh, you know, leaving, uh, the team, uh, I believe it was a shoulder injury earlier in the season, but they haven't had a lot of the issues that Toronto and New York and the OGs had early on in the season. Um, you know, so it's a war of attrition. And if you're the team that can, can have the, um, you know, the, the, the most of the most of your starting players mesh and, and play well and, and be healthy, you're going to win. Uh, nine times out of ten, but I think that's a good, that's a good analysis of the Eastern Conference. Rob, what do you got? So let's go back to to that Hounds uh, New York broadcast uh, episode one thirty six, and we predicted exactly where where everything's sitting right now with the top six, you know, three on each side um, in the playoffs. And so we we both agreed that it was going to be uh, New England taking that top spot, and then New York and OG were going to be in there for you know, that uh, semi or sorry for the quarterfinal, if you will, um, uh, in the Eastern uh, Conference. Uh, I'm going to stick with what I said then. And that was that we'd see, I, I predicted New York would beat OG. Um, you know, again, uh, the score lines uh, were, well, OG got blown out 34 to 8. Um, OG won uh, in April 42 to 31. But like you said, I think there are are a number of players coming back. I think the addition of Jet Heighton is huge uh, just because I think he controlled the game very well, both from hand and from foot, uh, very much a playmaker. Not that, you know, Sam comes on very well, Sammy Clutch, but um, I think it's going to be uh, Rooney by eight, Aaron Workers by eight. Um, and that'll bring a semifinal between New York and New England uh, in New England. Um, and I, I got to tell you, um, you know, with a score line of, of 33 to 18 back in uh, March and uh, with New England on top and New England uh, eight and, and the Ironworkers zero back on the 30th of April, uh, I, I will predict New England's going to win and go on to the final. I'm going to predict a difference of 12 between the two. So we're going to see uh, a New England in the final if they don't totally shoot themselves in the foot like they did last year. Yeah, I so. hate the Hammerschmidt. It's okay. We know this. Um <laughs> 
but no, I think it's a good analysis. I think you're right. You know, it's it's about teams meshing at the right time. It's about who has the juice going into these matches sometimes. And, you know, you have New England team looking for revenge uh, to a semifinal loss at home. Uh, they know that coming into the semifinal with a break, they're going to have to prepare better and not just be all hyped up. I think that was one of their things is they were a little too hyped up last year because they were in that position. And, you know, young teams do that. Um, it's about how you temper those expectations and, and play a better match. So, you know. Yeah, um, I want to yeah, add one piece that, that we can't neglect, and that is, you know, Bowden Waka's come back in, but I think uh, New England was real smart in bringing um, him into the 15 spot rather than the 10 spot. I mean, Potros has been playing very well at the 10 spot, mm-hmm. so why disrupt any continuity that's been created? But you don't want to leave a guy like Bowden Waka sitting on the bench at all. I mean, obviously mm-hmm. you want to use him. Putting him at 15 really gives you a nice option because he sees a very, he sees a very field very well. He is very creative with the boot um, and, and can control the match in his own way from the back, and he has – you know, blistering attack, finding space, finding soft shoulders. So I think it was, you know, a, a, a very smart move um, by New England to to bring him in, but put him in at the 15 spot. I think he's going to be a difference maker. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to talk, you know, like I was talking before when Preston was off camera, um, you know, I think it's the perfect storm for the OGs to actually step up and maybe take this second place away from uh, New York. And don't get me wrong. I think, you know, I think if New York comes and beats Utah by 14 points or something, that's, you know, that's okay. You know, that's, it, it, it could happen, but I could also see this Utah team being so mad that they blew a chance of beating Chicago last week that, that essentially knocked them out of their playoffs, you know, not going to the playoffs for a few years now is, 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 is killing them. Um, you know, are they going to come back to New York with a vengeance and really want to kind of put some points on New York as, as a statement match? Um, so that's that's kind of what concerns me. Um, and like I said about the OGs Atlanta match, you know, it's uh, the home OG, the last home OGs match of the regular season. Atlanta's coming into that match. Atlanta also had the playoffs, but Atlanta had trouble converting. Um, and and what happened was every time they scored, they let Rooney score. And there was a one point, like I said previously, when uh, the Iron Workers were down to 13 men and ATL couldn't capitalize enough to really bring back that scoreline. Um, so, you know, that's that's kind of what scares me on that end. So um, I'm still going with the Ironworkers, at least getting the bonus point. Would love them to beat uh, Utah for the five points uh, bonus point um, to really solidify the second place. But I'm going to say uh, Utah, um, excuse me, um, Ironworkers going to play Memorial Field. They're going to play OGs. I think Rooney wins that by uh, probably an unconverted try. I think it's a tough physical match. Um, you're going to have guys like Jack Height and Connor McManus Brendan O'Connor back. Unfortunately, it looks like Benjamin Benasso is probably out for the season um, with an injury. I saw him the other day. He's in a um, uh, a sling, one of those immobilizing slings that you know you, you kind of keep your arm immobilized to your chest. Uh, so I have a feeling that he's going to go into surgery at some point. Um, we also have Nick Mayhew back, uh, coming back from a back injury. Tavita Lange, Chance Wengluski coming back from HIA. So you're starting to get that that full team back on the field, and you have guys like Caleb Geiger playing great. You guys have you guys you have guys like Manate uh, Akui playing great, um, who had to step up and and you know Caleb starting to play tight head in the middle of the season, never playing tight head before and and playing great. Um, so I think you're going to start to see them mesh. Uh, so I say Rooney by an unconverted try. I say we go to New England. Uh, I think Sammy Ice, uh, the Iceman, Sammy Windsor, kicks one uh, with no time left to win it in New England uh, to get to that championship so I can go see my boys, the Hammerschmitz, on the 15th of July. Yet again. 
<laughs> Yet again, making a making a dual trip, my wife and my wallet will not be happy. <laughs> um, so we're going to swing it back to Preston for the Western Conference, and like we said, it's going to be San Diego in the number one spot, taking the bye week. It's going to be a home match at Starfire, Seattle versus Houston. Houston is is um, below Seattle by six points, so there's no way for them to jump to that third place, uh, second place spot. So no matter what the outcome is of the last week, that home match will be at Starfire. Preston, take it away. Yeah, let's all just pray. Uh, my Wi-Fi hangs out here for me. Um, I love the West just purely because it is so tight. Uh, I think HTX can come away with a win here. However, I'm going to pick Seattle. Um, they've won both previous matches by roughly five, uh, roughly about six to eight points usually. Um, and, uh, you know, People often say, well, third time's the charm, but at the same time, you know, when you're when your scoreline's so consistent, is it really? Um, I think Seattle's just so dominant right now. Uh, I think they'll miss uh heading right now, but it, you know, he's a great player for him at eight man, but they seem to be doing all right without him. So I think they'll be able to uh scrape and claw away, beat HTX, get through. I'm gonna pick it about twenty-five to thirteen. Uh, about a 12 point score line um, where things get interesting is Seattle versus San Diego. Uh, San Diego is hot. They're on top. They're doing great. A huge win streak. They got building up, but I mean, the top two teams in the, in the West are, you know, pretty close, much closer than in the, in the East. Um, you know, San Diego's got some stud players for them. They seem to be clicking, 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 but you know, just like Rome, when's the downfall going to come? Uh, you know, could it come now? Could it never come? Could it come at the final? Um, I would love to see this Seattle jump up again and go for their go for their third championship and go be in another final. Uh, but I just don't think it's going to happen. I think San Diego is just too solid. Um, you know, all their different combinations are great. Um, so I'm going to pick uh, – I'm going to really say that Seattle goes through and they lose to San Diego. Um, I'm going to pick it 30 to 23. I think it's going to be pretty close. So uh, if that scoreline is not correct, it will definitely be by seven in my opinion. So I think it will be a San Diego and Free Jacks final, and uh, that one's going to be even closer to call than I think Seattle and San Diego would be. So I'll kick it back to you guys, and uh, that's my prediction. Awesome. Good stuff. Rob, what do you got for the Western Conference? How have you got it shaken out? Oh, um, well, it, it certainly puts an emphasis on this weekend, doesn't it? Right. With Seattle and um, San Diego uh, playing this weekend in their second match of the season, the first one being a three point difference. It, it puts pressure on this one being rather interesting. I think both teams, particularly San Diego, want to make a statement this weekend. Uh, that being said, you know, if you're San Diego and you are able to be victorious against Seattle this weekend, it it puts the pressure on in two weeks' time because I do think that Seattle is going to beat Houston uh, in the first round of the playoffs. Uh, I think the uh, that match is going to be um, – I think it's going to be Seattle by 15. Um, I, I, might, I might come down a little bit on that. I might come down to 12. Um, it seems like Houston scores in bunches. You know, they score either up front in the match or they come back late from behind in the match. Uh, but if, if, you know, Seattle 
playing at home is real difficult. The crowd gets behind them. They are enough. They they almost are another man on the field, uh, just willing their team to victory. They always have been. They've got a great crowd. The environment is tough to play in, and so I think they're going to win. I think Seattle's going to win that uh, you know quarterfinal match uh, by. Uh, I'm going to go by 13. Um, does does Broccoli it, man does he do anything for him or no? Just does he help uh, him out in that way? Not, uh, sorry, I'm not a fan of Broccoli Man, but um, but that's and that's all I'm going to say. Nevertheless, going into the the semifinal, it is going to be San Diego and Seattle. Um, that again, it puts eyes on this weekend, but I think it's going to be San Diego by two. Here's the thing: spoke with Danny Lee just a couple weeks ago when they were going to before they're going to play the Hounds, and it's interesting because he said they had yet to play that that game that he really felt like they could play. Um, and, and I was like, wow, they have another gear, but a part of me right now says they, and, and I talked to Danny Lee after that Towns game and he said, they still didn't play that game. Like they turned it on the second half, but their first half, you know, the hounds were right there with them. And it makes me wonder whether they have that extra gear that we believe that they might have. Right. Uh, they play an expansive game. We see time and time again, their ability to get that ball out wide and really score almost uncontested at times, right? Um, you know, the, the continuity that flows. I mean, we haven't seen, um, you know, we haven't seen Ma'anonu score a lot of tries this season. He scored a few. What he really does well is, is provide ball and feed ball to his, to his, to his uh, centers and wingers, right? That That's where, you know, he really comes into play. That that ability to just take on a tackle, take on two bodies, and then offload and create opportunities for others around him. Uh, and that's where I think that is just a, a difference maker for them. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. But I'm going to go with, uh, like I said, San Diego over Seattle, and I'm going to say by two, which brings us to a San Diego-New England final. And I am going to go – in spite of the fact that San Diego lost to New England, was their only loss of the season, uh, I'm going to go with the San Diego win by three. Gotcha. Um, yeah, I think uh, going into this, I think obviously Starfire is a tough place to play for Houston. Um, you know, it's, you know, watching Houston live against New York, I felt like, you know, it was one of those matches where New York may have just had more handling errors that allowed Houston to get in position. Um, and, and New York has had a bunch of those games against a bunch of teams. Um, so I really wonder, does Houston have the firepower in the back line um, as much as they think they do? Or are they really just kind of grinding you down uh, through that that front that front eight? Um, you know, Danny Barrett has been very quiet, in my opinion, on that team, uh, usually coming in as a reserve. Um, not really doing much, in my opinion, to, to push them to, to where they need to be. Um, their backline play is a little bit lackluster. That's no shade throwing the guys in the back line. But, you know, Carlo Denison as, as their nine plays really well. I think after that, it's hard for them to develop things. Um, they kind of play very straight, in my opinion. Um, they hit the game line running, but it's very easy to defend. Um, so I think they're going to come to Starfire. Uh, they're going to hit that seawall, and uh, the sea, they're going to they're gonna kind of break along that seawall. So I actually have Seattle probably, you know, playing a, a scoring a big one against them. I got to be honest. Um, you know, we've seen Seattle play the last couple matches, and they've had uh, a couple, quite a few tries called back recently for obstruction. 
Um, so I think they just have to, if they make that adjustment, um, you know, some of their score lines are going to be bigger than they would have been. Um, you know, so I think it's, it's one of those, I think Seattle's going to come in, have the whole match, take care of business and then go to Snapdragon. That's going to be tight. Um, I think that the one thing that you, you see, and you reference that, that free first free Jacks, um, San Diego match was, you know, how the Free Jacks played, and they have a great defensive line, right? They they cop that defense, they they make sure they're filling in their gaps, and they're very rarely caught out of position. Same thing for Seattle when they can get it together. Um, when they're on, they're on. Um, and if they're not on when they're coming into Snapdragon, then that's you know, to me that's that's an organizational problem. Um, it's a locker room problem. Uh, you can't get it together for that semifinal match. Um, so if Seattle can win big against Houston and take that momentum into Snapdragon. I could see maybe Seattle sneaking this one out. Um, so I'm going to be the contrarian of, of you guys for this particular one. And I say Seattle wins um, at the death, um, whether it's, you know, they're up going into and just keeping possession or, you know, kicking, having the last possession and scoring to, to win. Um, I think it's possible if they're coming in with a lot of momentum and they can stop, uh, they can use that seawall to stop the forward progress of, San Diego, um, historically, teams have trouble coming off the bye week. We know that. And I'm, I'm you know, thinking maybe San Diego is going to have too much uh, rest and too much time to think. Um, so I actually have Seattle going on into the final for the Western Conference, uh, playing my, uh, my New York Ironworkers for a rematch <laughs> of 2022, baby. So now that, we know, now that we know who we got in our championship matches, I think that's good enough for now. Let's see how things shake out, and then we'll come back, uh, you know, to our to an episode uh in the near future to talk about um how that shook out and, and if we were right with our predictions um but before we go we just wanted to give uh Preston a, another shout out thank you so much for joining us we really appreciate you coming on and uh you have anybody you want to shout out press uh just all my Lindenwood boys finishing out the season or um or and you know going into playoffs or finishing out and just getting another year um you know, there's nothing better than seeing your friends go out there and kick ass. Um, congrats to you two. Like 150 episodes is pretty big. I really feel like the MLR should be sending you guys some like rugby caps, but you know, that's a, that's a whole different story. I mean, 150 is pretty well, big. And, and Nick Benson should, is, oh is going to be on actually just after the MLR final. So maybe we'll ask him uh, then. Uh, and, and then it'll give yeah. him a few weeks to prepare the, uh, you know, the caps for us. Yeah. So that, that's my two. Um, but yeah, I appreciate you guys having me on. Even if it's just as an, uh, an emergency backup call, like a booty call, it's, it's whatever. We're going to send you the I keep winning super brew and Rob sucks. And yeah, the big guys not even there. Really? It's, it's not a big deal. <laughs> yeah. We're going to send you the, uh, the bill because you know, as, as, as most people know, there's a, a dress code for the league and uh, usually the street guys come literally come off the street and they're not in the suit. So historically in hockey, they're literally pulling these guys off because they're not, they don't know they're going to play until the day of, or, you know, in even a couple hours before the, the game and they show up to the arena and they're not wearing a suit and they actually get fined about $15,000 for not being in their proper attire of which the rest of the players in the locker room by tradition generally pay or the team pays for that guy. Uh, so, cause they had, they, they sent him to that, that one day of contract. Um, so it's, it's interesting because Preston came in and he's wearing a fucking you know, jersey. A, 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 hey. jer- a basketball jersey. It's my new so, kit. You know. It just came in today. It feels great. You know, 
Don't don't knock until you try it, big guy. And by the way, a shout out to Preston. The second time this season, he has won the weekly Super Brew. So um, I'm telling you, man, he's, Rob he's, sucks. He's, I don't. The, he even picked my scoreline today. A broken it's, clock is right know. twice a day. That's all I gotta say. A broken <laughs> clock is right twice a day. Hey, it's better than an old man who can't even pick any super scores right for two different I've been, teams. He's picking for I've been, himself I've and been, the Rams. Clock is never right. So you know. Yeah, I've yeah. Well, I've completely. I've completely. I missed one week and have completely forgot about it since because I'm worried about the playoffs because I'm a true fan. You guys. Didn't have to worry about the playoffs this year. <laughs> anyway, guys, fans, thank you so much for watching. Uh, if you want great merch like uh, what what uh, Little Hammer is showing off, go to uh, Rugby Shop, uh, shopmlr.com, excuse me, and uh, Rugby Now uh, to get your MLR gear and to get any gear you need for your club rugby team for the upcoming season. Get your gear now for the fall season, baby. Um, you know, spring sevens are over. Fall season's coming up. Get your team kitted out. Get get all that replacement gear you need and go to rugbynow.com to get that. I'm the big guy, Scott Ferrara. That's Rob the Hammer Hammerschmidt. That's Preston the Little Hammer Hammerschmidt. Uh, we'd like to say thank you very much and uh, thank you very much from the bottom of our hearts for, for watching the show and uh, we'll see you guys at the next. credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.